thank you for again for joining us this morning, and uh, we're uh, very grateful that you could be here with us. We um, want to uh, uh, to remember uh, a couple of things. Next week we'll have uh, the Lord's Supper here, so we'll be uh, practicing social distancing and having the Lord's Supper. How do you do that? And uh, I, I don't know exactly, but we, we've managed it. And you guys, have, uh, thank you so much, Ken and Theresa and uh, Dennis and those of you that are working on making those things work. But if you're at home, we encourage you to get the elements together for your families. And we ask the men would serve their families the elements and join with us uh, in that time of celebrating the, the Lord's Supper. And... Uh, Along with that, we uh, it's our custom here at Grace Bible Church to pray for the first responders in the military and uh, our police, those that are serving uh, the community and with the rule of law, uh, need our prayers. And all of our first responders, it's been uh, difficult days in our country and, and uh, we want to, I, I seriously want to encourage you to pray. Uh, for our country, for the upcoming election, for uh, things that are that are are nation moving, uh, we very need to take very seriously uh, what we as God's people need to be praying for, and praying about, and register to vote, and uh, exercise the the. Uh, liberties, uh, the wonderful system that God has given to us, uh, but we need to go into the elections this year very prayerfully. Uh, and so, um, with that said, let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day and for your goodness and blessings upon us. We give praise to you uh, for uh, the sweet Lamb of God who takes away our sin. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he separated our transgressions from us. And like as the Father pities his children, Lord, you've had pity and shown mercy to us and wrapped us in the arms of your loving kindness. And, and our Lord Jesus, the Word who created all things, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld your glory Glory as of the only begotten of you, our Heavenly Father. And we give you thanks this morning and praise that we can be here today. We pray, Lord God, for, for those who are in our first responders in our country. We pray for our military. Uh, Lord, we pray for the EMS and firemen, those that, that labor for the National Guard and for for all that uh, labor in regard to the rule of law and that which is necessary and needful for any nation or country uh, to have order and to function as a society and culture. And we pray for our police, Lord, who are under such assault today. And we pray, God, for protection for their lives, uh, for sanity in our country, and for uh, the rule of law to win out in regard to these ideologies that are being uh, thrown around and uh, the ignoring of our constitutional republic and the rule of law that was given to us uh, there by your grace. 
And Lord, this morning we lift up uh, our police officer, Natasha Brewer, who serves in San Antonio, and we pray for her and her co-workers there, those officers of law that are uh, facing difficult times and challenges. Uh, and we ask that in your mercy and grace that you would protect their lives and give them health and safety. And we pray uh, for those who have suffered damages and some uh, the families that have lost uh, the lives of their loved ones uh, through these tumultuous days. And we pray for an end to those uh, who shed blood and know no peace. And we pray that they may know the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for our president, for our governor, and all of those who are in authority. And we ask God for your mercies upon the upcoming election and for your grace. Grant not the desires of the wicked and further not their devices, Lord, but work uh, by your mighty and powerful hand. We pray that you would show yourself strong and show your mercies uh, to this nation and to your people. God, bless us now as we open your word. Speak that which is necessary and needful for the hearts and lives of each person, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You can open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. You have such a wonderful and, and rich, beautiful passage this morning. It's, it's been uh, exciting to study it. And, um, and it's, it's the words of life that God has given to us in the Scripture. They're, they're needful for us. <clears throat> Next week we, we celebrate uh, the, the work of our Lord Jesus Christ with our communion service. We have each second Sunday of the month. Uh, and, but we remember that, that uh, the word is, is sweet like honeycomb. It's worth to partake of it. It's, it was represented by manna for the physical life and sustenance of, of Israel in the wilderness. Uh, but, but to take in and partake of the words of life is, is life to us. It's life eternal. So we look forward to uh, those things as we... Uh, we uh, open God's Word this morning, and I would like to begin uh, at the first of the chapter there, beginning with verse 1, and I'm actually going to read through verse 11, although we'll only deal with five verses this morning. Um, but our topic here uh, is, is shifting uh, from redemption, from justification by faith, to the, the fruit of that, which is reconciliation to God. And uh, so uh, hopefully we'll get the big picture here. This is a very rich uh, text and beautiful presentation of the power of God's salvation, of the power of the gospel for, for God's people. So uh, may God add uh, these, these words to your heart and to your life. Beginning in chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. 
And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one hardly dies for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, through, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Reconciliation is the, the theme of, of these verses. Uh, as we move out of these first four chapters, uh, we have uh, considered the, uh, the wrath of God against the ungodliness and unrighteousness of mankind. Uh, and we came to the conclusion that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that we're all deserving of, of death and separation from God. Yet God in his great mercies uh, burst through um, <laughs> and um, apart from the law, the righteousness of God was being manifested, being uh, witnessed by the law and the prophets, the revelation that God gave to us. Uh, and, and we've been justified by grace through, God's, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. God made he who knew no sin to become sin for us. He became a propitiation in his blood that was shed was full payment for those sins that we have committed. And God, by his power and for his glory and in his great mercy, has delivered us and justified us, not by the works of the law, but by faith. And that's where we are this morning so if we look at verse 1 and we consider the topic, access to grace, then uh, the verse reads, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It begins with a therefore, and that therefore does what? It directs us back to the, the themes that have been developed, the things that Paul has said here, the things that I just rehearsed for you. Um, uh, and and we, so we find that the controlling theme here, having been justified by faith, is moving into a, a different area or a different theme regarding this uh, doctrine of reconciliation to God. So we, we covered redemption to God by the purchased blood of Jesus Christ in chapter 3. He covered the topic of of the expression, not by law, but of faith, giving the illustration of Abraham. And now here in chapter 5, he's summing up, having been justified by faith. Because you put your trust and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and on the work that he did on the cross of Calvary and upon the realization that God reckons, uh, that redeemed mankind, he purchased you back by the shed blood of Jesus Christ because the wages of your sin was death and by substitution 
Christ, Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary paid the just penalty for that sin. And so the scripture says uh, that it was uh, uh, the forbearance uh, that his righteousness, it became, uh, this was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God he passed over sins previously committed but now for the demonstration I say of his righteousness at the present time that he might be just, God is just to, uh, to pardon your sin, that that would separate you from God for all eternity, and the justifier of him who believes in Jesus, the one that puts their trust in Jesus Christ, has been justified by faith, trusting in the work that Jesus Christ did, in the power that Jesus Christ displayed, in that he died in our, on our behalf, willingly submitted himself. Uh, he became sin for us. He who knew no sin, the Lamb of God, he took away our sin. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquity, because by faith in what Christ, the work that Christ did, and the love that was shed for you, he has justified us. Justified us through that work that Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone could do. Therefore, we have been justified by faith in his work on the cross of Calvary. And, uh, and as the scripture says, uh, he was delivered up because of our transgressions and he was raised because of our justification. God justified you. He's just to forgive your sins. He's just to, to bring you uh, even into his very own family. And so uh, he came unto his own, and his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God. That's an awesome and wonderful thing that God has done. But we've been justified by faith, and we've been given a reason to boast. We can boast in Jesus Christ. This morning, God desires for us with all of our affection and all of our heart and all of our, our being to sing songs of praise to God and to boast in His goodness and the power of that salvation. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to us, the Gentiles, all the way down from Father Abraham, he was justified by faith, to you this morning who were justified by faith in the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, having been justified by faith, now I'm going to go into uh, this phrase, having been justified by faith, it's a, an aorist participle, and it modifies, it, it refers to uh, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, and this peace with God is what has been given to us. God has given us, us this confirmation of grace, of his favor, and, and having been justified uh, we, he has confirmed uh, with this grace uh, our life, our new life in Christ. We've been born again, uh, ushered into his kingdom uh, through uh, the provision that he made. And the scripture teaches us that 
We've been justified by faith, having, uh, uh, and we have now have peace with God. God has given to us peace. Uh, justification, re- reconciliation, uh, or redemption, rather, uh, has brought about peace with God. Now, there's a difference between the peace of God and peace with God, right? Peace with God means that, that where there was conflict, actually, where the scripture says here, where there was actually enmity, it has been put to a rest. It has ceased. The battle's over. The war and the animosity between God for our ungodliness and unrighteousness has been brought under the treaty of the new covenant that comes in Jesus Christ. We've been brought uh, as uh, redeemed as those that were enemies under another flag and actually brought not only into as soldiers into the kingdom of Christ, but as children into the family of God and into his inheritance. There's been a cessation of enmity. There's been a cessation of the war with God. There's access into grace by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've been given as a result, and, and this is a, a present Active verb, we have peace. It means we have it right now. Peace with God. It means because of this peace that we're able to, to join in into the peace of God, the, the celebration and the glory that I believe all the world longs for. Don't you long for peace? Don't we, we uh, long for for the cessation of war, for the, for the conflict, for the constant struggle and battle. And, and let, me, let me just say these things. Justification comes by faith, but this entrance and access in the faith, into God's peace with God means the peace of God. It means that, uh, that he is able to do that which is exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think, and it includes peace. Now it's true that that as we struggle through life and we wrestle uh, in the flesh to control our circumstances, to be Lord, to move out of our place as creatures, to move out of our place as not being God into the place of being Lord or God of our own lives, that there's conflict there. But there's peace, let me tell you, There's peace for the one that comes to that relationship with their God and Creator that Jesus Christ has ushered us into. It's like moving out of the warfare into peace. And that inner struggle that's that's in your heart and life and maybe uh, very intense this morning, I want to tell you that the reason that it's there is because you're struggling to be in control of your own life, to be Lord of your own life, you're struggling to take the place that belongs to Jesus Christ. He belongs as Lord, seated on the throne of the heart. He belongs there. We need to love Him and submit to Him to realize that God who is sovereign, who is Almighty God that we sang about this morning, Almighty, most glorious He is, 
And he belongs on the throne of your heart. He belongs in the place of decision making in your life. And there's peace because there's no longer this struggle. And, and the truth is that the flesh wars against the spirit and we all are engaged in a struggle, right? But peace comes with Christ on the throne of our heart. Peace with God ushers in us into the peace of God. And it's glorious. It's the one thing that is most needful in our world today. With the peace of God, uh, there would be no rioting on the streets. There would be no destruction of property. There would be no taking of life. There would be none of these things that were explained to us in Romans chapter 3 and chapter 2 and chapter 1. God desires to redeem us, to bring us and to usher us in to and, and confirm us in the grace that justified us, in the grace that will reconcile us to God himself, and in the grace that will sanctify us for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he's the Lord of lords. That's why he's the king of kings. It's why he's the prince of peace. Jesus Christ is our glorious Lord and Savior, and he belongs in your heart. And he's the thing that we're looking for. He's the thing that is most needful for us, uh, for for the person of our Lord Jesus to take up a boat in our life. The scripture says that Jesus said, if you abide in me, you shall bear much fruit. But without me, you can do nothing. He belongs there. And if he's ruling there, then we fulfill what we were created for in the image of God to the glory of God with the relationship of God is that you are God and I am not and Jesus is Lord and I am not. There's wonderful access and confirmation of God's grace to us and we've been justified by faith that we may have peace with God. What a wonderful truth has been given. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says, Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself. We've been reconciled. You know what that means? That we've become God's friends. We've become more than his friends. We've been adopted as children into the family of God. That is awesome. Reconcile us to himself through Christ who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Did you know that that in God's work, in his plan for your salvation, that he gave to you the ministry of reconciliation? He gave to you the wonderful privilege of representing the Lord Jesus Christ as a minister of reconciliation. So the Apostle Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone who believes. Do you know the significance of that? That you have been called to be a minister of reconciliation? The glory that God has given to us in Christ Jesus. It didn't just stop with justifying us by faith, but ushered us into a reconciliation with God in such a way that we became ministers of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. That's awesome. This is what God has given to us. 
access into grace to become ministers of reconciliation. And so we have the word of salvation, the power of God's salvation for the need of man today. And that includes access into peace. But it also includes access to God's grace, this wonderful truth. We have access into God's grace. Access into God's grace. Wonderful thing. Uh, So it, it reads, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction or our access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So we were justified by faith, but now we have been given in this reconciliation access into that grace wherein we have stand or we have been confirmed. We've been confirmed by God's grace. And that confirmation of his grace assures our life eternal in Jesus Christ. It's what it means. And it means that that we should have boasting. We should this word for boasting means glory. It sometimes can be translated we rejoice. It can be the idea of that we're bragging on God. We're speaking of the glory of God. Justification by faith has given you a reason to boast because we've been given access into God's grace. We've been called to be ministers of reconciliation. God has done marvelous things and he's brought us from redemption, from justification by faith, into reconciliation, and that reconciliation includes access into God's grace by faith again. Same principle. The principle that Abraham exercised, the principle that was passed down to his seed in the Lord Jesus Christ and given to us. And so the scripture says uh, in this, in speaking of the gospel, in the power of God and the salvation, in this uh, we have... Um, been uh, in this righteousness for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith transferred from we're justified by faith now we've been uh, redeemed by faith now we're being reconciled uh, reconciled to God by faith and given access into this grace by faith As you have received Christ Jesus, so walk ye in him. The grace that has been given to you is grace over the power of sin in your life. And that grace, that power over sin in your life is the same as the power over the penalty of sin in your life. Power for justification is the same as the power for sanctification, not by the works of the law. So I continue to hear uh, and, and ask the question, and it's our nature, it's our fleshly nature to go back to, well, what do we do now? What do we do? And the tendency of our flesh is that we go to the law. We go to works. We go, okay, we need to do these things. But the picture that God is giving to us here in his word, is that we live by faith. It's from faith to faith. The righteous man lives 
by faith. He doesn't live by the law. He doesn't live by works. He's not, uh, he's not regulated. His life is not regulated. If the, the, the parameters are there for the word, uh, for the law, and for, for uh, what has been given uh, uh, through the law, but, but we live by God's spirit in that grace, access into that grace by faith. That's where life is. And it's life that ushers from a transformed heart, a transformed life that comes from inside the person. You see, because the issue with the scribes and the Pharisees that Jesus continually addressed was that they were religious. And religious means that they were dependent upon works. They were dependent upon what they do. But for you and for me, God is teaching us and he's speaking through this word that we have access into a grace gift that God has given, you see, because the power of salvation is God's. It's not found in our flesh. So obeying the law by the energy of the flesh is futile. It's, it's spoken over and over in Scripture, the futility of it, to, to rely again back on the law. Because God has transformed our heart in such a way that the love of Christ constrains us. The love of Christ moves us. And it's the power of God, not our power. It's not us fabricating in some way enough to love God enough to do the things that we should be doing. It's God in you, Christ in you, that's the hope of glory. And it's faith in God to do what you could not do. Isn't that true with what happened with Peter? Peter thought, I'll never forsake the Lord. Though all these forsake him, I won't forsake him. What was Peter doing? He was in the energy and the strength of the flesh thinking that he could save himself. That Peter had enough something inside of him to do what what Jesus was telling him he could not do, and Jesus wanted to make that point. So what did he tell the disciples uh, at the Garden of Gethsemane? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation, because the power must come from God inside of you. And once we understand that, then uh, it behooves us working out our own salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure and his power. God does this. It's God's power. It's God's salvation. And access to that salvation is the same way as access to justification. Access to sanctification is by grace through faith. We have access into God's grace. Isn't that glorious? So you say, well, I can't, I can't do this. I can't live the Christian. I've heard this. I remember sharing the, the gospel on the beach in, in, uh, in Destin, uh, not Destin, in Panama City Beach. We were out sharing the gospel there. And I was, I was sharing the gospel with this, this couple, and, and I said, you know, I've tried it. I, I can't do it. And I was going, exactly. That's right. You can't do it. Uh, but he, was, he, he had been in a, a church under the name of Christ, that, that taught him that he, could, he had to do something that he could not do. And he did not have the power or the strength to do. And to acknowledge that, yeah, in my flesh, I'm going to fail just like Peter failed, 
Just like the apostles, they all failed because they didn't have the strength within the flesh to, to know the salvation and the power of God, not when it comes down to it. So you can pull yourself up or try to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps all you want, but it's ultimately going to lead to failure. And you can make some behavioral modifications in your life, but until you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the power of God for your salvation, you're not going to know sanctification as Christ uh, paid for and has delivered to you in his greatness and goodness. So we have access into this grace. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's access into rich grace of God. It's all that we need. It's every spiritual blessing in heavenly place. You say, I can't live the Christian life. Yes. Jesus Christ, the spirit of Jesus Christ that God has given to us, the grace that we now have access into by faith is what is necessary. So how do we live the Christian life? It's not by keeping the law. It's not by our own works. It's not by our own strength. It's by the power of God within us. Scripture says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you believe it? Do you believe that it's necessary? I believe that I struggle on a daily basis, the flesh against the spirit, because I constantly want to go back to, to, oh, this is my responsibility, this is what I've got to do. And it is my responsibility. Uh, and, but but that, the, the modus operandi in which that is going to be accomplished can be accomplished by sometimes by the strength of the flesh and by the energy of the flesh where there's no peace, there's, there's, there's strife there, or it can be accomplished by the joy of God's Spirit at work within us because we love God, because He's given us that desire. And thanks be to God that that salvation is there and available for us. So Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. That's good news, isn't it? Isn't that great news? The good news of the gospel extends beyond justification by faith to God into reconciliation to God and the access into every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That's why Jesus makes such a global, worldwide statement that every spiritual blessing in heavenly places has been given to you, that abiding in me and my word abiding in you uh, you shall ask what you will. I mean, it, there's no limit to that when you're in the will of God and you're asking in accordance to His Word and abiding in Jesus Christ. There's power to move mountains. Uh, God does that which was not possible. And I wish that I could, could, could tell that young man uh, that I was sharing the gospel with on the beach a number of years ago uh, that... God, with God all things are possible. With God salvation is available by God's grace through faith. So you don't have to do uh, what you can't do, but you have to yield and submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to the power of Jesus Christ, and to the grace of his gospel. Okay? And then so looking at verse 2, through whom we have also obtained 
our introduction or our access uh, into that faith uh, of his grace, uh, into this grace in which we stand and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. Now this word for exalt is the word that I'm using for boast. It's the word that can sometimes translate glory. Sometimes you translate it rejoice. So you can put any one of those words up there that you like. Justification by faith has given you reason to exalt. Justification by faith has given you reason to glory. I love the word glory. I think, I think that ought to be on our lips. You know, glory, we glory in God. The scripture says in, in, in uh, second, or First Samuel, uh, I, I will honor those who honor me. And that word's, uh, word for heaviness, it's kabod, it's glory. I will glory or glorify those who glory, uh, glorify me. Uh, but those who um, uh, despise me will be lightly esteemed. And that word for glory is heavy. It means heaviness. Uh, it means uh, uh, influence. It means it, it represents... Uh, uh, the influence of a person, the, the, the power, the glory of the person. Um, and God says, I will glorify those. And he proved it in David's life. We see this representative, this uh, illustration of, of that truth in Scripture. He proved it in Samuel's life as opposed to Eli. David's life as opposed to Saul. We see in God's glory. And it's in this that we boast because he's given it to us. He's given us, and we may rejoice, or we may brag about the greatness of our God, for He's our Savior, and He rightfully deserves our boast. I pray that the chief end, your chief end, is to glorify God. How much thought and, and time and focus do we, do we place on glorifying God? Uh, I would like to suggest that in, instead of, of thinking of the do's and don'ts, the parameters of the law and works, that we, that we bask on the glory of God, on his person, that we, uh, that we uh, become enamored with him. The scripture says this is eternal life to know thee, the one true God. The apostle Paul prays that... Uh, that, you might, uh, that we might walk in a manner worthy of, of God being fruitful unto every good work um, and, and increasing in knowledge of God, of who he is. Well, how much time do we, do we spend on the attributes of God, the person of God, and thinking about him and, and glorifying him in our speech and, and thinking in terms of, of the glory of God because it's our chief end. And so it's good for us to read the knowledge of the holy, uh, Tozer, or, or some of these, uh, these things that, that focus upon the attributes of God. Because we want to glorify God. If we want to glorify God, we need to think about who He is. And we need to look at life in, in terms of who God is. And, and what happens when, uh, when with all of our, our troubles and sorrows and, and things uh, the topic that we're coming up to next here in these next verses, when tribulation comes, that our boast is in the greatness of, of who our God is. And there's peace there, right? So look at verse 3. And not only this, but we also exult. Okay, that's boasting again. 
in, trib- uh, in our tribulation, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And I'll read on in verse 4, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. So here we, we see that this justification by faith has given you a reason to boast in the access that we have into grace. But we also, the Apostle Paul makes this, this uh, beautiful uh, truth and picture of that we boast in tribulation. We boast in trouble. Well, that's odd. You know, how, do we, how is it that we rejoice in trouble? We rejoice in trouble for these things that he's stating here in these verses, but it's important for you to understand that, that we, you and I have been so broken by sin that we have become God's workmanship. We're his workshop of faith and at workshop of grace. And that workshop of, 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 God, of, of God's into God's grace is accessed by faith. He's working on you. And, and the way that he works on us is often uh, through uh, faith. I mean, through grace, uh, through faith in God's grace, through that provision, that heavenly uh, storehouse that God has given to us. And uh, so we find, uh, like in First uh, Peter, it says um, we, are, uh, we have... Uh, or to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this will you rejoice, even though for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So we're distressed by these various trials, but then it goes on, Peter goes on to say, that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I would say that's the glory of God. And speaking of the glory of God, that your faith is proving, proven character, proven faith, proven trust in the power of God is what your tribulations are all about. Actually, your trial, the thing that you're worried about, the thing that you're struggling with, is actually an opportunity, an opportunity to give glory to God, an opportunity to boast and a reason to boast in the glory of God. And God asks you to do that by faith. Isn't that awesome? So you can take your problems right now and give God thanks for them because The scripture tells us that God is working all of these things together for good. You're in God's workshop. He's doing things that you may not understand, but just like Abraham, you don't know how he's going to do it. You don't know how he's going to to bless all the nations of the earth, but you believe God. That's faith. You trust in God. You trust that you're in his workmanship. You trust that his grace will accomplish what you cannot accomplish Jesus said, and he said to her, did I not say to you it that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Do you want to see the glory of God? You must believe. You must trust in him. You must know the grace that comes through faith. And, and, and God, uh, he, he 
Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was reckoned as righteousness. You believe God and righteousness is reckoned to you. It's God's righteousness. It's his power. It's his grace. But it comes through faith. It comes through your trust in his word, in the promises of God. These are, are the things that are necessary and needful for the Christian life. So we find there that justification by faith has given you a reason to boast here uh, in tribulation. And it's in a hope that does not shame us or disgrace us. You will not be disgraced if you trust in Jesus. Now, Abraham was laughed at in the day. Noah was laughed at in the day. But they believed God's Word and they were not disgraced. And you can go through the Bible and you can see those that trusted in the Word and the promises of God and they were not disgraced. They were not shamed. The power of God, the glory of God was displayed in and through their lives. And God did exceeding and abundantly above all that they could ask or think. Couldn't even think about how great and glorious it was. And God assured that they would not be shamed because they put their faith, their trust in Him. That's the victory. Faith is the victory. Faith in the grace of God through Jesus Christ our Lord is your victory. He that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son, he that has the law, he that has personal works, he that has the energy of the flesh... He that has the wisdom of the mind will fail. He that has the grace of God, the heavenly provision that is made in that, that heavenly uh, workshop, shop of grace, everything has been meted out to you. God knew every incident in your life and in your walk and He's met you there. You're His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto those good works which He before ordained. God did those. He supplied the grace that was necessary, not for you to boast in yourself, not for you to attain glory to the flesh, but to give glory to God and to His salvation. It's a hope that will not disgrace us. Psalm 25 verse 3 declares, Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without a cause will be ashamed. It's that good and evil theme that goes through Scripture. And in in 1 John 2, verse 28, Now little children, abide in Him. That's Jesus. So that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from Him at shame at His coming. The testing of your faith is glorious. It's glorious to God. It means... It has meaning. It has significance to your life. It has the fulfillment of God's purpose for you. Will you relinquish that to your Lord and God? Will you relinquish it to His leadership, to His Lordship, to His rule? Will you relinquish things that you do not understand and things that you cannot know, because it's going to be exceeding and abundantly above all that you can think or know about. And can you trust God with that? That's the big question for us. And that's where the battle is. That's where, why the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. 
And Jesus says, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Or the Lord says, uh, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The battle is the battle of faith. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's what Abraham did. That's what we must do as we walk with the Lord. Okay, so, and then we come to a second point here. Uh, Even in tribulation, we boast in God. Even in tribulation. So 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. Did you know that? Did you know that God is is working on you and, and that tribulation is is producing an eternal weight of glory? Do you you understand that your trial is an opportunity to live by faith, to know the power of God, to know the fullness of eternal life? Can you give God thanks for that? What's troubling you this morning? Uh, What what is it that your flesh is worried about that you can't do or that's that's hanging over you and you're in a rock in a hard place and you... You can't get by. You can't fix things. Well, it's good that you can't fix things because now you can trust in God with whom all things are possible and you can believe that He's producing in you an eternal weight of glory and that's reason to give thanks to God. Is it not? Is it not? So, and then... In verse 4 it says, when suffering accomplishes perseverance. So this word can be translated patience. And it means that we have to wait. We have to wait on God. Romans 8.25 says, but if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance or with patience, we wait eagerly for it. You know how many times in Scripture uh, we're, uh, we're exhorted to wait on God? How many times in the, the, the life of those that are recorded in the Scripture do we find David waiting in the wilderness? Do we find Samuel waiting uh, for the country? Uh, do we find uh, Daniel waiting in prayer on the Lord? Uh, you, we can, do we find Joseph waiting for that time when he's in prison for God to, to bless him and to do something exceeding and abundantly above all that he was asking or thinking uh, eagerly, we wait eagerly for it, uh, so we can have that expectation of God, who is with Him, all things are possible, and He's able to take us through our present trial. And so we exercise perseverance, perseverance. And then, thirdly, when pers- uh, perseverance proves your faith or it proves your character, that's the proving of the faith. It's valuable to God. It honors God. It gives glory to God. It fulfills. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Perseverance in our tribulation proves God's character. It proves His attributes. It proves that He loves us. It proves that He knows what He's doing. And it's a matter of waiting to see. Abraham waited to see. Abraham never saw uh, his offspring coming back 400 years later from from, uh, Egypt into the land. He he never saw David. 
He never saw uh, the Lord Jesus Christ being birthed through the Virgin Mary. But those things he believed in, he trusted God for. James 1.12 said, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You love the Lord Jesus. We had a song here, Jesus, I love you. Are you, are you free to express your love for the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you free to say, Jesus, I can't believe the, the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ, that which was displayed on the cross of Calvary where he gave his own life for you, where he shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary, precious sinless blood on the cross of Calvary that you might be justified before God and that you might be reconciled to God. Jesus, I love you. I love you, Lord Jesus. There's no one like him. No one that can compare to the way and the manner in which he, he loved you and the extent of which he proved that love by going to the cross of Calvary. Fourthly, when proven faith accomplishes hope, hope is a wonderful thing. Scripture has a lot to say about hope. But when that desire is fulfilled, when hope is fulfilled, it brings life. It brings release. It brings uh, joy because we, we come to those places where we need to watch and pray that we enter not into temptation. We need to, uh, to, to understand <clears throat> that, that hope awaits us. Salvation awaits us. The glory of God awaits us. The power of God awaits us. Uh, he's able to do all things. If you abide in Him and His Word abides in you, you ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Uh, what we will and what we should will is what God wills, what He knows is best for us. If we can learn to, to without knowing the end plan, because God's not going to reveal it to you. He didn't reveal it to Abraham, and He's not going to reveal to you why you're going through certain tests. But there's hope. Because proven character and perseverance in our tribulation works and accomplishes hope. Romans 8.24 says, For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he has already seen. Right? Hope is that which, which looks beyond our experience, beyond what we see, beyond what what people are telling us beyond what our culture says is right or wrong or, or, or good or bad to what God says and what He has promised. And we don't see it. We don't get the end picture, but we, we hope in it because, because God is faithful, because His integrity is good and it will not fail us. His Word is true and we can build our our, our strength, our foundation, build our home, build our future, build our life upon that truth which God has given to us in His Word. Romans 15:13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of His Holy Spirit. And we're coming upon this Holy Spirit and the gift that God has given to us of His grace through Jesus Christ and through the new covenant. Justification by faith has given you a reason to boast. 
because God's love has been poured out. God's love has been poured out on you and me. If we know it, we rejoice. If we understand it, we have joy. Right? So, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. God's love has been poured out. It has been lavished upon you. Mark 14, 24 says, And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. The love of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ was poured out on the cross of Calvary for your salvation. And it's powerful enough. It's glorious enough. It was poured out. Your cup runs over with the grace of God and with the goodness of God's love to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 has this to say, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. And I love this, this term, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and in, in insight. God lavished on you. He didn't just give you a little bit. He lavished upon you in His wisdom and insight, grace, access to grace, power of God for salvation, power for glory, power for what is necessary in living the Christian life, in fulfilling the chief purpose for God for us in life and having created us in His image God has given to us this life and access and He's lavished it upon us. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Great and precious promises through His Word whereby we have been made partakers of His divine nature through those promises that God has given to us. That's awesome. Isn't that awesome? Wonderful what God has done. He's poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given unto us. The love of God, the love of Jesus Christ, God's willingness to give and give and give and give to those who despise Him and rebel against their Creator and commit all matter of sin and things which are worthless and meaningless and futile fulfilling that empty void that is inside of us. In our hearts, God has put the love of Jesus Christ. He's put that which is necessary and needful for us. And if we bask in that love, if by faith we enjoy and rejoice and boast in the glory that Christ, of, of Christ's work, that that has been shed, God gave light, gave light to shine in our hearts. And so 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You want to see the light of the glory of God in your life? By faith lay hold of the promises of God. By faith lay hold of that grace which will give you power over sin. It will give you the power to do good works, but it'll be God's power, not your own. But that light 
of the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ shines in our lives. And then it's through the gift of His Spirit. Isn't it wonderful that um, it's, a, it's a great blessing to me, again, to see the fellowship of the body. Our, our church body, when you interact and you see the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ ministering to one another, and uh, as we live with one another and care with one another, because the Spirit of Jesus Christ is actually doing these things in our lives, and you know that, that scripture that says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, uh, as you receive Christ Jesus, so walk ye in Him. He's given to us His Spirit. And that Spirit has come to abide in us. And Galatians 4, 6 says, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our heart, crying, Abba, Father. Isn't it, you know, don't you think that we should love to pray? Because we, we can go right now. We, we can go at, at any moment, at any time, and enter into the very throne room of God and cry, Abba, Father. That kind of relationship. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. God, our Father. Uh, you know, it still bothers me that, that when I pray sometimes, I pray, God, thank you for this food. You know, but, I, you know, I'm not, I don't, have the fullness of that realization that no, I'm speaking to God who rules the universe. He's in complete control of time and space and, and people. All things, He's Almighty God. And He rules there and I'm speaking with Him. I think we should have respect for God. I think we should have awe every time we pray. There should never be a a time when we sit down at a meal and just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for this food. We're, we're grateful for what you give. No. No. It's almost an insult. No, but no. And I try to get my attention. Okay, I'm really giving God thanks for this. I'm really thankful that he's, he's, he's given us this food. He's made every provision for me. And so I think we should exercise ourselves in doing those things and respect for the holiness of God is something that's part of worship. It's why we're here this morning. We want to respect Him. We want to acknowledge the glory of God. Titus 3, 5, and 6 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit is in my life. And I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I want to live in a way that's pleasing to the Spirit of Jesus Christ that lives in my life. I want to walk in the light of His glory and the, the light that has been shined in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that God gave to us is, is, is needful for us. 1 John 4.13 says this, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He's given us of His Spirit. You don't have His Spirit, you don't have Him. You have His Spirit, you have Him. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you have that? You have the fruit of God's Spirit in your life? 
Do you want the fruit of God's Spirit in your life? Well, I believe that by faith we can know the exercise of these things. And it's so much higher than the law. It's so much higher than don't do this or don't do that or these parameters. It takes us far above that for the fulfillment of the law, for the completion of the law. And it's done by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, by that grace supplied by God through faith in the power of God. Isn't that awesome? I think everybody ought to leave this place with a big old smile on their face this morning. (laughs) Because we boast in the glory of God. We boast in the joy. We rejoice and we brag on the God that has given to us life. And we know that we have that eternal life in Jesus Christ because he's been resurrected from the grave and he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And he has told us that if I go, I will come again and take you to be with myself. That's his word. That's his promise. And it is good. So Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, In him you also have, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's glorious news. Okay? God has... He'll sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge for an inheritance. What does that mean? <clears throat> we have a future inheritance, a future fulfillment. When mortality puts on immortality, when this body of sin uh, and flesh is done away with, there's a glorious resurrection body. And the pledge of that, that's like a wedding, uh, uh, an engagement ring, The promise that it's coming is the sealing of the Holy Spirit in your life. What God has done, what He's doing, I have have confidence that He will complete in you what He has begun in Christ Jesus. He's given you a pledge. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22 says, Now He who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us in God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. It's like an engagement ring. Our bridegroom is coming for the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. And we have this wonderful promise. You're sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. There's a promise that Jesus has given and his word is good. So we boast in the glory of God in the power of his salvation. God is merciful and kind. As the Father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We give praise and thanksgiving to you for the rich provision of grace in Christ. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to your mercy you saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, which He shed on us abundantly. You shed it upon us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord. We give you thanks that we now have peace with you, that we have been granted access into this abundant supply of your grace so that we boast in your glory And in the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we give thanks, God. We worship you this morning. Strengthen our faith in your grace so that we have no fear of shame. 
May we grow in faith and learn to boast even in the tribulation and trials that you send our way. May we persevere in every trial and may our faith in Christ be proven. Prove our character that glory may be given to that name that you've sworn to exalt above all name. And we will give our boast, our praise, our glory back to him from whom the grace that accomplished such things in our lives was given. That is our confident hope that it may result in the great glory given to our Lord Jesus Christ. We love him and we love him because he first loved us and he shed abroad this love for you in our hearts. We boast in you and give thanks for your great love that you have poured into our hearts. We give praise to you and for your wisdom in giving us to the indwelling Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit to live and to act in and through our lives. We're sealed with your sweet Holy Spirit. Bless your people at Grace Bible Church and the people listening today that we may understand the times to know that we ought, what we ought to do and strengthen us with might by your Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. We boast that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And we give you thanks in that name and for the glory of that name, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.